Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm so excited to be able to be back at Balboa. I thought after last time I may not... May not be allowed back, but praise God that you have campus pastors that are very gracious, extended me a, another, another opportunity to come back here with a caveat, obviously. <laughs> praise God. Well, come with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Uh, many years ago, many years ago, I was in New Zealand, I was living in New Zealand, I was walking down Queen Street, Auckland. And it's the main street of Auckland, New Zealand. Auckland's the biggest city in New Zealand. It's not the capital. Wellington's the capital, but Auckland was the, is the biggest city. And as I'm walking down, this guy hands me a, a, a tract. And, uh, and it says, what God has done for humanity. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I'll take that. And I turned the page, and it was blank. I said, oh, mate, I said, listen, I think, uh, I said, uh, I think this one was a dud. I think, you know, it failed to print both sides. And he goes, read the, read the back. Spitting. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to spray it, not say it. No, some people want the weather, not the news. Excuse me. So he goes, read the back. He was all like pumped. And, uh, and so I read the back and I said, the Atheist Society. And I said, really? And then he said, then we get into a little bit of a you know, discussion. And he says to me, um, he says, do you believe that God can do anything? I'm like, yes, yes. He says, all right, then can God create a rock so big and so heavy that even he can't lift it. And, I, and then he kind of was all arrogant. And I'm like, dear Jesus, he's got me. God, he's got me. And God, then God whispers to me and says, uh, I never said that I can do everything. I'm like, oh, you tell me now. <laughs> Crud, I put my whole flipping trust in you for the rest of my life. He's like, there's a lot of things I can't do. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's confession time with God. <laughs> he goes, I can't stop loving you. I can't ever leave you or forsake you. I can't break my covenants. In fact, Jesus said, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. So, you know, what? it's impossible for God to do nothing. He's always doing something because the only thing that's impossible with God is nothing. So when you pray, he's up to something. When you ask, he's up. when you're walking through hell itself, he's up to something. He can't do nothing. I began to find out there's a lot of things that he, he can't do. He can't be unfaithful. Did you know that? You may be unfaithful to him. He cannot be, be negatively or adversely affected by you, our infidelity. You may be unfaithful to him, but he remains faithful to you because that's who he is. You may let go of him, but he will ne never let go of you. You may run from him, but he will pursue you to your last dying breath. So I wrote this whole message, and for the next year, I just preached that message, Six Things God Can't Do. And we had so many people saved, so I always would dedicate it to the Atheist Society. And uh, God bless you, beautiful atheist. Thank you. All these people are saved because of your inspiration. Thank you. So tonight on uh, today, is it tonight or today? Somewhere. Uh, I've got another one. This is one that you'll hear a lot of, you know, atheists or people who don't read the Bible say this. The Bible is full of mistakes. Anybody ever heard that? Oh, I don't know how you believe it in the Bible. It's full of mistakes. Well, the title of my message today is the Bible is full of mistakes. The Bible is full of mistakes. They try and say the Bible's full of mistakes, like there's contradictions and all that kind of stuff. But the, the Bible has been the most heavily scrutinized book by the greatest minds in every century, in every generation, and it comes up trumps every single time. The Bible is flawless. In fact, Obviously, we read the English translation, but if you go to the original Hebrew, 
of the Old Testament, original Greek of the New Testament, you will find that the Bible is so powerful, so precise, that it has an anatomical, mathematical precision that the the, the value of the words are derivatives of seven, seven being the number of perfection, the signature of God, all the way through it. it, it, Human minds could never have woven this in. It's a watermark to show that, that a supernatural divine spirit inspired the writing of the Bible. It's just incredible. However, today I want to preach to you that the Bible is full of mistakes, but it's the mistakes that people made. In fact, what I love about the Bible compared to, you know, mythology, if you read Greek mythology, there, there were these gods that had no flaws and no weaknesses. And, they, and it's, it's, it's unattainable. Whereas the Bible is, you know, it's legit because God doesn't pull any punches. He lets us see behind the veil. He lets us see Noah comes out of the, the ark and plants a vineyard and then gets so drunk that, you know, he forgets to put his boxer shorts on. <laughs> and you're like, come on, God, the guy just saved the world. You know, did you have to put that in the Bible? And goes just like, yeah, you know, you can save the world and not, not deal properly with your stress and end up drinking too much or... You know, when I was in in uh, in in Mexico, yeah, I don't I don't speak Spanish, not very. But Charles, Charles said, Pastor, when you get to when you get to Mexico, uh, all you need to all you need to to say is uno mas por favor, and uh, I don't know, I still don't know what it means, but I just kept saying it, and uh, the next one I was probably a little more happy than I ought to have been. They kept bringing me margarita after margarita, and I, if I was honest with you, I blame him. I lost this whole real estate transaction because not really. Anyway, so, so the, Bible, the Bible has so many mistakes in it. You know, Noah saves the world and then, then, then he's drunk. You know, Lot, Abraham, Abraham twice, Abraham twice, twice lied about his wife. Twice, she's not my wife. She's my sister. No, no, take her into your harem. What will you give me in exchange? Like, what a doofus. So what I love about the Bible is that the Bible records black and white successes and failures. It records mistakes that people made. Because how many people know that a wise man learns from his mistakes, but an even wiser learns from somebody else's? And and so today I want to just kind of focus on four mistakes, if I can, in Jesus' name. Four mistakes. Four mistakes, if I can. <laughs> because I, I wanted today uh, b- bring some mistakes from the scriptures that are, that are in there so that we can learn from them. So we can receive instruction. We can say, wow, okay, I, I see that. Man, n- now my discernment, my judgment's going to go up another level because I'm, I'm not going to fall into the same trap as they did and end up with the same consequences. That's why it's in the Bible. The Bible is the greatest learning manual, the greatest instruction manual for you to have a successful life because can I tell you the proclivities of humanity have not changed in, in six plus thousand years that we have the same impulses. We have the same weaknesses. We have the same appetites. We have the same issues. We have the same struggles. We have the same battles. Nothing has changed, but we can learn from these things. So we're doing a series at the moment called there was great joy in the city, but for there to be joy, I need you to understand that the joy has to have guardrails around it, has to have guardrails around it. How many people know that a river supplies water to, to an irrigation, to, to a land, to a city, to a town, to a village? But if, 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 if those banks of the river were breached, that same water that provided life now brings destruction in the form of a flood. How many people know that a fire in the fireplace warms the entire house? But if that fire was in the curtains and in the drywall, you better get out of that house quick, smart. Somebody say amen. And so, so, so the, Bible, the Bible gives us 
guardrails because we want you to understand that God's will for your life is for your life to be full of joy, for you to walk in His blessing, for you to walk in His favor, for you to experience His goodness. But you need to understand that foolishness will will rob you and and making unwise decisions will punish you. Therefore, that's, that's why every Sunday we don't preach Reader's Digest, we don't preach Time Magazine, we preach the Word of God because as you read the Word of God, it'll bring great instruction. And you can learn from the successes and from the great choices that people made. But at the same time, I'm telling you, I've learned so much from the mistakes that other people have made. And when I've seen, oh my gosh, I was on that same path, man, I was on that same pondering. I better pull back quick, smart. I better hit the ejector seat right now because I don't want to reap the harvest that they reaped, I want to come back and not have the same result. Can somebody say amen? All right. So Genesis chapter 3 verse verse 1 says, The serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we may eat the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. You will become God's. Literally, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, able to make one wise, she took of it and ate and gave some to her husband with her. And then the eyes of both of them were open and the mess came. So point number one, the first, the first mistake I want you and I to learn from, point number one is believing lies. The first mistake, the first mistake Here's why us as human beings have a propensity to to believe lies, which is a, a sad reality. The Bible says that you were created by God for God, Colossians 1 says, we were created by God for God. The Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie. In fact, the Bible calls him truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. So God doesn't have truth. He is truth. Because you were made by truth for truth, you were never created to, to hear lies or be deceived. The serpent comes in whispering to them, and she doesn't know any better. She hears and then she cognitively calculates the information that is dispensed to her, and then she makes a decision. She doesn't realize that she is deceived. She doesn't realize what it would cost them. She doesn't realize it would be separation from God. She doesn't realize that it, it would that death came to mankind. She doesn't realize that she would be evicted from paradise. She doesn't realize that she'd be separated from God. She doesn't realize that her firstborn son would murder his younger brother. She doesn't realize that the pain, the devastation of that that decision, she was deceived. She was deceived. So, so that tells me, that tells me that there is a deceiver in the world. The, the Bible, before it introduces the devil as a destroyer, first reveals him as a great deceiver. In fact, may I say to you that the level of his deception is the level of destruction. Jesus says, beware of false teachers. And he's not just talking about that limited to the church. Jesus said, beware of false prophets. He's not just limiting that to the church. The the word for false prophet in the 21st vernacular is fake news. I'm not sure about you, but I'm done with being lied to. I'm done with being lied to. The Kleinitzwerk, Fauci. That's just a great little affectionate German phrase for him. Kleinitzwerk. Uh, I mean, every, every time he gets up, he, it, it, I'm just done with these lies. He, he has not told us one thing that is true, not one thing that is factual, not one. The CDC just last week were, were caught uh, changing their data, re- removing 30,000. They, you know, they use it to manipulate, but, but now, that, now that their feet are held to the fire, now that they've got to give an account, they're quickly backtracking and removing it. I don't know about you, but I'm done with being lied to, done with being lied to. We hear on our fake news media that, that oh, it's, it's the pandemic of the vaccinated. Throw the first screen up. It's the pandemic of the vaccinated. Really? 
Oh, okay. Well, it's, uh, we keep hearing you, MSNBC and CNN, and we keep hearing it's the pandemic of the vaccinated. We hear all the freaking Hollywood nutters. It's a pan- get vaccinated. You know, one of my cricket heroes, Shane Warne, biggest proponent of getting vaccinated, dies at 52 of a heart attack after the booster. But it's completely normal. It's, yes, it is completely normal. If you, if you take all that junk into your body that they haven't had a chance to test properly, 52 athlete dies. It's completely normal. No, it's not. No, it's not. But it's, let's have a look. Don't take my word for it. Oh, I don't like this pastor. He's meant to be preaching the Bible. <laughs> all right. So let's have a look. So I want you to know up here, not vaccinated is green and vaccinated is red. So, so the, these are the number of cases of COVID in the United Kingdom. All right. Number of cases of the unvaccinated, green, and then vaccinated, red. Do you see which one's larger? <laughs> you, can you? All right. So that's hospitalizations. We're not going to treat anybody in the hospital who's not vaccinated. And there are people literally leftist loonies wishing death. Don't doctors shouldn't treat them. Nurses and doctors who aren't vaccinated shouldn't shouldn't. Uh, give them any care. But let's have a look. Let's let the facts speak for it. Oh, hospitalization of unvaccinated. Is one larger than the other? <laughs> let's move over here for deaths, because that's pretty important. Kind of life and death. Unvaccinated deaths. Vaccinated. I don't know about you, but I'm done with being lied to. I'm done with being lied to. I'm d- done with being lied to that a biological male is the female champion swimmer of the year. I'm done with being lied to, done with being lied to, that we're going to nominate to the highest court, not just in the land, but in the world, the Supreme Court, a woman that says she's not a biologist, so she can't define what a woman, if you can't define what a woman is, should you really be assessing cases of justice and are you kidding me? How many people know that we live in a world where they're so open-minded their brains have fallen out? Yeah. Another massive one, we were just in, uh, in uh, Salt Lake City and then we flew to Idaho. And what's amazing when you're flying, Jeff, is, is as you're flying, you look down and you just see land. And I'm like, and I said to Pastor Matt Tuggle, I'm like, Pastor Matt, look at this. I said, you know, they keep trying to tell us that the world is overpopulated. <laughs> We're going to deal with overpopulation. No, 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 no. The world isn't overpopulated. In the beginning, God created man in his image, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Nobody is saying, no, 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 not, not that much multiplying. <laughs> he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Fill the earth. The earth doesn't have a population problem. It has an elitist who are greedy, grubby little people that don't want to share problem. I want you, I want you to understand the Klaus Schwab and the George Soros and the Bill Gates. That they're, 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 they're these billionaire rich elite one percenters who are wanting to reduce the world's population from 7 billion under 1 billion because they say there's not enough to go around. Well, fudge, you got so much stuff. How come you don't? Oh, you don't want to share. These are people that were never spanked as a child and taught that you need to share your stuff and share your toys and share your bread. The world does not have a population problem. There is no running out of resources. There's just greedy people that refuse to share. While I'm on that, let me just go to the climate crisis because they use the, you know, the, the, the climate change. Cli- and how many of you know it's no longer global warming because the freaking data doesn't line up with that? The polar ice caps will be melting. And then a Russian frigate runs, runs aground 400 miles out of Antarctica. It hits solid ice because there's more ice in Antarctica today than there's ever been. Global warming. Quick change it, change it, climate change. Oh, no, not climate change. Because the climate's not meant to change, apparently. 
Have you studied, like, history on the planet? It keeps changing. It hasn't not changed. It's in a constant flux of changing. When the northern hemisphere warms, the southern hemisphere cools. When the southern hemisphere warms, the no it's been like that for millennia. <laughs> oh, no, but you're right. We, we ought to give you more power and more money. No, tax us. Tax us, please. I know, look, no, we'll, we'll overlook it. You can't fix homelessness in your cities. You, 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 you can't solve poverty. You can't stop the murder rates from spiking. You can't stop violent crime and burglaries. You can't do that. But no, you can solve, you can stop climate change. <laughs> wow. Wow. No, no, but listen, and this is how they'll do it. It's so brilliant. We need to pass a carbon tax. Like the whole world's going, man, I'm destroying the planet. If only someone would pass a, a climate tax, then I could just stop destroying the world. <laughs> so you ask people, because, you know, we all hear, but we've got to reduce our carbon footprint. We're going to, America's going to carbon footprint. We've got to reduce our carbon footprint. And then you talk to people, you talk to people, you say, hey, you know, you know, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio, oh, he's so, and he's on his private jet, like, no, look, they make rules, they don't have to live by them, they're the ones who come up with them. Al Gore came up with the inconvenient truth, he doesn't have to lower his, even though it's like 40 times the, you know, the carbon footprint of anybody else, he's exempt because he's the guy who came up with the whole What's that with the polar bears? No, I know you got that one wrong. That's why that's not any sequel. Because he said they'd all be extinct by 2.13 and now there's more than there's ever been. So let's just, let's just, that's, that's an inconvenient truth that we can't put inconvenient truth to. We've got to get rid of that. Let's just, let's just move, let's just, let's just pretend it wasn't in it. Can we, can we edit the first one? We can't, it's too, it's gone into print. All right, we'll just, 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 it, just pretend it wasn't in it. And so, so these guys, they fly to Davos, Switzerland on their private jets and say, yeah, and say, want to save the planet. And, and you, you and I have to reduce our carbon footprint and you and I have to be, you know, eco gigo friendly and, you know, we've got to get rid of cows because cows give emissions and, you know. No, I'm, you're laughing. I'm, I'm just telling you. I'm sick of being lied to. So watch this. So you talk to people, you talk to people, you talk to people and you say to people, hey, what's... What's the, uh, you know, what's the percentage in the oxygen we breathe that is, that is carbon, carbon dioxide? And some people say, well, oh, oh, like 60%, 40%. Actually, let me show you. Nitrogen, 78. Oxygen, 20. Here's carbon dioxide. Do, do, do you see this number? It's 0.03% of the air is made up of carbon dioxide. It, is, it has gone up from 0.03 to 0.0312 over the last 100 years. And but because they know most people believe lies, most people believe what they hear from two or three sources and don't think. Now, let, let, me, just, let me just ask another question. Trees are called the lungs of the earth. True? Trees give us oxygen. Did you know that? Trees produce oxygen. How many people know that we need oxygen? If you don't believe it, sit at the bottom of the pool for five or six minutes and go, hmm, I feel like a strange inclination to go to the surface right now. <gasps> you need oxygen. So when you breathe in, you breathe in oxygen. When you breathe out, you breathe out carbon dioxide. Very interesting. Do you know what trees feed on? They feed on carbon dioxide. It's almost like God knew what he was doing in this perfect cycle. What the trees breathe out, you need. What you breathe out, they need. It's this beautiful symbiosis in nature. But watch this. Increased carbon dioxide levels is actually good for the planet because the latest satellite photos from NASA show that the earth has never been greener 
because carbon dioxide feeds the trees, feeds the plants. In fact, when you hear those knuckleheads trying to tell you it, the, the California wildfires is because of climate change, carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide actually greens the planet, makes the planet less dry, more green and more lush, not less. But you have been lied to. Another one that they use all the time, go to the next slide. Another one that they use all the time is you, is you see these, these pictures of the smokestacks. And, you know, and they, 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 they do it in our schools. You know, so they'll, they'll show our, our kids, you know, here's a, here's a, you know, we're polluting the planet. It's humans are the problem. You're the problem, you dirty little human. And, and with your smokestacks, we don't have a smokestack. Yeah, but you're guilty anyway. And so, so now watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. So, so it's, it's, it's spewing forth into the atmosphere. Look at that cloud of smoke. Pollution. We're destroying the planet. Okay. Do you know how much of this is carbon dioxide? Carbon dioxide's invisible. Okay, let me just say that one more time. It's invisible. So when they show you pictures of smoke going into the sky, it's not carbon dioxide. Because carbon dioxide's invisible. Yeah, but I saw like these smokestacks at these industrial plants pumping. It's not carbon dioxide because it's invisible. Yeah, but it was like bellowing. It's not carbon dioxide because it's invisible. Yeah, but it was. It's not carbon dioxide because carbon dioxide's invisible. But they know that they can dupe you. I don't know about you, but I'm done with the lies. I'm done with the lies. Another one, another one that's, that's happening right now is, is right, right now we are in what they're calling the global reset. That by the year 2030, you will own nothing. But let, let, let me just tell you, let me kind of, at the risk of offending people. <laughs> the, the person occupying the White House did not win the 2020 election. Legitimately or fairly, did not win, did not win. The guy can't fill 12 circles. Yeah, yeah, he got 81 million votes, yeah, right. And there, there were no people going down stuffing ballot boxes. There was no shenanigans going on. He is, he, he, he doesn't even know what day it is, what time it is, what shoes he's wearing. He wasn't smart enough to win and he's not smart enough. So he is a, he is a proxy for a globalist agenda because they realize they can't destroy America from the outside. They have to do it from within. And so the greatest way is for them to have a puppet in the White House making decisions to destroy our economy, to, to cripple America, to open our borders, to flood it. That's, that's the agenda right now. And it all goes to an unelected guy called Klaus Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum. If we can put him up there. The pandemic represents a rare, and I'm embarrassed because he's German. The pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. So the, the pandemic represents an opportunity. Wow, wow. To me, the pandemic represents a pandemic. We better take better care of the elderly and we better not do what Como says and just, you know, put them all in COVID positive into Ill and, but hey, let's just, you know, let's just pretend that never. Go to the next slide. The next slide, you'll own nothing and be happy. By the year 2030, you'll own nothing and be happy. These guys want to own everything. And this is the line that they're using. Why, why do you want to own a house when you can just rent one? Why do you want to own a car? Why buy a car when you can just rent one? Why have a phone? Buy a phone when you can just rent one. No, no, you will own nothing and you'll be very happy. Either that or you'll be shot. It's like, it's a choice is yours. You can be, ha, ha, I'm happy, I'm happy, please don't shoot me. Or you can, now, now throughout human history, how many people know it's important to, to study history? Throughout human history, the people that have owned nothing were called serfs or peasants. If you say to me, what's the value of the, 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 the life value of a peasant or a serf? It's almost nothing. Because you had nothing to barter with for your life. You, you, you had nothing to come to the table to barter with your life. You were just easily just wiped out. You were just easily killed. You were treated like chattel. There are, there are people in the World Economic Forum that have an agenda for this planet. They want to reduce the planet 
by over 6 billion people. What happened in the Holocaust with 6 million people pales in comparison to these. And they may, they may not even realize that they are demonized. They may not even realize that Satan is operating through them, but they have an agenda and it is a wicked agenda. Did you know that every single nation, every single nation that uh, has private home ownership, private land ownership is a nation of prosperity and blessing. And every single nation where the people are not allowed to own private property, are not allowed to own land, it is a nation of impoverishment, of all kinds of crimes where human life is dirt cheap. Don't buy into the lie. Go to the next slide. This guy, Yuval Noah Harari, is, I would say he is possibly, him and George Soros would be the two most dangerous people on the planet. He, he's a homosexual vegan. I got a different reaction in the 830. Uh, so he, he, he's married to a man. Let me just, let me just, cause I'm already out there. Uh, so he, he says that he has a husband. Can I just tell you a man cannot have a husband? Um, and I'll tell you why. Oh, yes, I can. You can't tell me why I can't. No, I'm just explaining to you. Just explaining to you the, the, the meaning of the word. The meaning of the word husband comes from the, the old English husbandry. Husbandry is when a farmer takes care of a piece of land. He puts seed in the, the land, puts seed in the soil, and it produces fruit. It produces crops. The fruitfulness of the land is called husbandry. A man is a seed bearer, but a man can give his seed to another man, but that man cannot do anything with that seed to reproduce fruit, to reproduce life. Only a woman can receive the seed from man and produce life and bring forth life. That's why he is a husband and she is a wife. But, but we've been lied to. So this, this guy Humans are now hackable animals. The whole idea that humans have this soul or spirit and nobody knows what's happening inside of them and they have free will, that's over. That's not, that's not all he says. He continually rages against the scriptures. And so he's talking about right now. Now, here's the crazy thing. He's, he's, he's Israeli. He's a Jew. It wasn't 80 years ago that his relatives went through the Holocaust Anybody here ever heard of the Holocaust, Adolf Hitler? Okay. So Adolf Hitler from 1939 began these propaganda vid movies that they would show, propaganda movies. And, and, and in the propaganda movies, there were three things that they, that they, that they uh, put forth. The first one was what they called the Ubermensch, the Ubermensch. Uh, Uber means over, superior. And so they believe that, and Mensch is man, they believe that there was a superman uh, an overman, uh, a superior man who was going to be produced. And Adolf Hitler believed it was the Aryan race and that God had chosen the German people to be the superior race and all the other races would be subject to them. The second thing that they had was what they called uh, untermenschen or subhumans. And, uh, and the Jews were seen as parasites and black people were seen as, as less than human, less evolved. This came from Charles Darwin. When, when you hear of the word races, races is not a concept you'll find in, in the Bible. It, races and racism comes from Charles Darwin, who believed that the white man was fully evolved, but the black man wasn't yet fully evolved. He was, he was more like the ape and therefore was much more docile. And it was almost a benevolence for a white man to have a black person as a slave. That was the whole reason he wrote The Origin of the Species and its preferred races. But they remove that while they brainwash our children with a lie. That's where racism come from. Racism, the Bible says God has made all people from one blood, from one blood. There's no such thing as races in the scripture. There's ethnicities, but not races. So, so Untermenschen is subhumans. The third one that they taught was Leben uns würden Leben. Leben unwürden Leben means life unworthy of living. Life unworthy of living. And what they meant was, another term was useless eaters. That there are people who take, so this guy already in, in one of his recent things says that we want to, we want to chip every single person, move into a cryptocurrency economy where we can track every transaction. 
and, and through this, we, we're going to create a, a metaphysical. He said, I think go to the next slide. Uh, he said that the human history began when men created gods. He says, and human history will end when we become gods. And he says that right now through technology, we can actually improve the human, human race. We can make a super race. We can literally create gods on the earth. And then he says, but the question we must ask is what do we do with humans? Humans that we don't need anymore. It's, it's, it's mind blowing. I'm like, are, are you so steeped in your sin and rebellion to God that you can't even look back over your shoulder and see the three lies that you are spouting are the three lies that caused your relatives to be put in boxcars and taken to concentration camps when they end, where they ended up in the, the smoke, uh, the ovens exterminated in the Holocaust. But these are, these are the lies that are coming out and they, they, they are... So, Mr. Trudeau, disciple. Scott Morrison in Australia, disciple. Macron in France, disciple. Bill Gates, disciple. Biden, dis they're all on this. And I'm telling you, unless we push back, unless we say, Richard, uh, I think it's uh, Robert Dreher, his book, Live Not By Lies, unless we push back and say, I ain't living by lies any longer, now, how, how, how can you tell the difference between a lie and a truth? It's very simple, very simple. God creates the heavens of the earth, formless void, darkness covers the... Then God said, let there be light. As soon as God's word entered, light came. The next thing that God does is He separates the darkness from the light. He separates truth from error. He separates truth from deception. It's the word of God that will show you the truth. If it contradicts the word of God throw it out. This is your compass through this life. This is your compass on how to get to eternity. It's this book here. It will teach you. There's, there's two other more practical ways. One, follow the money. And two, if you really want to know what the truth is, have a look for the people that the lying culture has shadow banned. Have a look at the, the people, the Candace Owens and the, the people that this that this lying culture has shadow banned and cut off and silenced, they're the ones you want to be listening to. Amen. All right, number two. <laughs> All right, number two is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. There's a story where, where Lot, who's with his uncle Abraham, and Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen are fighting, and the land wasn't big enough to support them both because they had both so much stuff. And so Abraham says to Lot, listen, you, you choose. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. But let's not, let's not fight. Let's not fight. We're, we're, we're family. And the Bible says that Lot went down and he chose for himself. Have a look at it, Genesis 13, 11. And Lot chose for himself. If you said to me, Pastor, I just got married. How do I ruin my marriage? I'd say be self-centered. If you're like, hey, Pastor, I got, I got a whole lot of friends and I love life. How do I screw it up? I'd say just become selfish. The ugliest fish in the ocean, the fish that you never want to pull up, the fish you never want to catch is the selfish. It's a terrible joke. Hey, hey, if you gave more, you'd get better jokes. That's all I'm saying. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Self-centeredness. Lot chose for himself. Because he chose for himself, he ends up in a mess. He ends up, the Bible says that not only did he choose for himself, but he pitched his tent toward Sodom. He pitched his tent toward, and the next chapter we read, chapter 14, he's in Sodom. How the heck did you get in there? Because he pitched his tent toward. Your life will move in the direction of your vision. Because he pitched his tent toward, he ended up in. You have to understand that God made you to desire. Buddhism says that, that, that you've got to get rid of desire, that, that all, all of our maladies and all of our evil is because of desire. And if we could just do away with desire. And I thought, man, I don't know if I could ever be an on-fire Buddhist because I'd have this passionate desire to do away with desire. Gosh! Man! But you were created to desire. Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. But Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it spring the issues of life. Out of it flows the issues of life. 
So your, your heart has the ability to desire, but not everything my heart desires is good for me. Not everything my heart longs for is good for me. The Bible says in Samuel that, that there was a time when kings went out for war. It was the spring of the year when kings would go out for war. And when they would take kings out for war, Pastor Colin, they would put the king on a high hill, on a high mountain, on a vantage point, and he would survey the area, and he would see the kingdom of the Amorites or the Perizzites, and he would see it. And he'd look down, and he'd then confer with his commander and said, this is how we're going to take it and we need to take it. And so you see, he would look down on, on territory and he would take that territory and he would plunder that territory. Well, the Bible says instead of David going out to war and taking territory, the Bible says he stayed behind and he went up onto his rooftop. And as he was walking on his rooftop, hello, he looks down and sees his cute little filly Hubba bubba ding ding, check the legs out on this little thing. Bathsheba is swimming in her rooftop pool and her, her little keeny must have come off or something. And it's like, Who's, who is that? And they said, oh, that's, that's um, Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. <laughs> who is it? Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. I'll pretend I didn't hear the last part. Bring her up to the, he brings her up to the palace, seduces her, sleeps with her and gets her pregnant. He, he, he was under his anointing of being in a high vantage point, looking out and taking territory. But it was territory he was never meant to take. But because he chose for himself, calamity and destruction came to his house. Many years ago, I was on, a, I, I was on an altar call, which I recommend. So God will touch you in your seat, but he transforms at the altar. I was on an altar call and the Holy Spirit asked me this question. He said, Jürgen, what's growing in your garden? Plants? Trees? He's like, no, no, no. The garden of your heart. What's growing in your garden? And then he took, it was, it was like, a, like, a, like a, a light and he shined it into my heart and if I was really honest with you, I was a little bit embarrassed because what was growing in there were all these sinful, lustful desires that I was not hurting anybody. Nobody can see, but it was, it was my private little stash. My precious. It was like my... And then he asked me this question. He's like, yeah, you run to that. That's your little secret little sins that nobody knows about. You justify, well, I was not really hurting anybody. He said, do you really want to reap the harvest of those things that are growing in your heart? And I realized, oh, my goodness. And I said, Holy Spirit, will you help me weed my garden? Now, how many people here have ever weeded a garden? How many people know that like three weeks later, what the heck? The devil is a weed sower. He's continually putting weeds because weeds will choke the life of God's fruit and God's plans and God's purposes and God's. And so I found that why I love church and why I turn up every Sunday is because when I'm in worship and when I'm listening to the preaching, when I have an opportunity to respond, it shows me, my God, the light. The Bible says the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord searching the inner rooms of his heart. I find that when I come into the house of God, he's able to highlight things that the devil has planted, things that maybe I kind of allowed to be planted in my heart, but I don't want to reap the harvest of those things. And if I do, it'll bring destruction. It'll bring pain. Lot chose for himself and his life ended up a freaking mess. Make a decision to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. When you're going into a relationship, don't just go in because good looking and he's got pecs and he's got bicep. You know, have a look. Does he have a job? That's a really good place to start. You know, what do other people say about him? It's just kind of, is he the one that God has for you? Is she the one that God has? For? If you choose God for all right, quickly, number, number three, I know I'm, I'm over time. Uh, number three is instant gratification. One of the biggest messes in the Bible is Esau. 
Esau trades his birthright for a bowl of red lentils. Do anybody here like lentils? Anybody? A few people like lentils? If I went to a restaurant and I said, I might like the red lentil stew. How much is a bowl of red lentil stew? What, what, what would it cost? $12. $12. But let's say, let's say it's got like caviar in it. Let's say it's $25. The finest bowl of red lentil stew... Jacob is cooking the red lentil stew. Esau comes in from the field famished and he says, give me some of that red lentil stew. And he says, only in exchange for your birthright. The birthright is that you inherit all of daddy's wealth. And instead of looking ahead at all of daddy's wealth, he says, what is my birthright to me? I'm about to die. Give me the paper, I'll sign it. You can have the birthright. Just give me a bowl. He sacrificed literally hundreds of millions, if not billions, for $25 bowl of red lentil stew. You may say, what an absolute idiot. But I've been pastoring for over 30 years. I can't tell you how many men said, I look back and I realize flirting with my secretary I realized the exchanges and when we went away and stayed in the same hotel, he says, and then when it all came out, I lost the love of my life, my bride, and I lost the respect of my children, and I lost my, they, he traded all of that for a bowl of red lentil stew. I don't know what your red lentil stew is, but it's not worth sacrificing your destiny on the altar of the immediate. A mistake that Esau made, we can learn from. Yeah, he may have had to, to, to deal with hunger pains. Do you know Jesus' first temptation was in the temptation of his appetites? He was hungry after 40 days of fasting. And if you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus like, hey, hey, devil, man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If it, if it doesn't align with the word, I ain't doing it. it doesn't, my appetites, I can control. How many people know that God gave you self-control? It's the ninth fruit of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to give in to your appetites. You don't have to give in to your desires. You can actually control your appetites and control your desires. Uh, where, where I grew up, my next door neighbor, his name was Peter Siler, his sister Gina Siler. I'll never forget they told me that their uncle was, was the crazy guy. We had a crazy guy in, in the town where we grew up. He wore overalls with no shirt underneath, even in winter. We, we, we'd have like three layers on and be freezing, and it was like he didn't feel any cold. And he always had this ghetto blaster, even though it had run out of batteries, and he would just kind of, you know, walk like this, and he'd just go up to people and go, and, and, and like, you know, people would see him coming and scramble and, you know, grab the kids and, and he slept in an, in an abandoned uh, an abandoned railway shed. That's where he slept. And then Peter told me the story. He goes, that's, that's my uncle. That's my dad's little brother. He was the alumni of his school. He was so smart that he was probably going to be like a NASA, in, a NASA uh, aerospace engineer or even a physicist. He was so smart. And the kids kept kept in his final year of school. He had all these Cambridge and Oxford. Everybody wanted him. But in his final year of school, they said, come on, just, you've never gone to a party. You're just a book nerd. You're always in the library. You're always standing. Come to a party. And so finally he went to the party and they said, here, smoke this. And they gave him a joint, but they had laced it with LSD and speed. And he so tripped out that it fried his brain. And today you see this man walking with a ghetto blaster with no batteries, going home, talking gibberish at people, sleeping in an abandoned railway thing, when he could have been one of the finest physicists, one of the finest engineers, one of the finest with a wife and family. But a moment where he said yes to something cost him his destiny. The last one, number four, is coexistence. One of the saddest mistakes in the Bible, we don't have time to fully go into it. One of the saddest mistakes in the Bible is King Saul. 
is told by God to go in and make war on Amalek and to utterly destroy Amalek, utterly destroy them. Just destroy everything that breathes. Destroy. And the Bible says when he went in, he thought, well, I don't want to kill that sheep. I don't want to kill that. And so he kept all the good things for himself. And then when Samuel came, Samuel said to him, what have you done? He says, well, I've fulfilled what God asked me to do. He says, then what's the bleating of sheep that I hear? Well, we only kept, we kept the good things alive so I can give it to God. And Samuel said, do you think God's pleased with sacrifice? But obedience is better than sacrifice. Here's the sad thing. The very thing, the very thing that Saul spared, if you fast forward, the very things he let live are the very things that ended up killing him, his sons, and his grandsons. What he, what he said, I can't kill them. I'm just going to let them live over here. I'm just going to coexist with them. They came back and they killed Saul. They killed Jonathan. They killed all of his sons and all of his grandsons were wiped out by that. What are you coexisting with that God has told you drive out? What are you coexisting with that God has says put to death? What are you coexisting with? I'm telling you, there is no sin worth saving. There is no website worth keeping on your computer. What are you coexisting with that God has says wipe out? Wipe it out because it has an agenda to wipe you out. Come on, if you, if you receive that today, give God a great praise. Come on, if you give, give Him a praise. Come on, how many people thank God that the Bible is full of mistakes? I'm so grateful that I can learn from the mistakes of others so I don't have to go down that same way. Come on, let's stand to our feet. I'm out of time. Listen, I'm gonna, the altar's going to be open. We're going to have the, the ministry team put to death things that need to be put to death. Weed the things that need to be weeded. Drive out the things that need to be dry, driven out. Get, get prayer. If your life's not right with God today, come and get your life right. If you're away from God, come back to God. Our ministry team would love to take a moment to pray with you. In fact, if you come back to God, we're going to give you a Bible, a following Jesus book, and a whole bunch of other stuff. We're going to look after you. But lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father. I want to thank you. You so love me. You kept it real. I love the Bible because it shows the flaws of the people who went before me. And I can learn from them. Help me, Heavenly Father, to not believe lies. Help me to not be self-centered, but to be God-centered. To seek first your kingdom and your righteousness so all these things can be added to me. Help me, Heavenly Father, not to coexist with evil. And help me, Heavenly Father, not to trade my destiny on the altar of the immediate. In Jesus' name, everybody say, Amen, Amen. God bless you. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.